Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur with me every week, J.B. Scott. And this week we're talking about the Rams and the Carolina Panthers. Certainly, I would have to say if there was an opportunity to get a win, this would be it. The Panthers, one and four. Never really a surprise to see the Rams, the Panthers at at one and four. Uh, Not a surprise to see them fire Matt Rule, probably the coach most on the hot seat going into the year, which is what happened. And so it'll be the first game for interim head coach Steve Wilkes, which I'm sure by now most of you already know. And also Baker Mayfield, most likely not to start for the Carolina Panthers. And since backups Sam Darnold and Matt Corral are on injured reserve and injured list somewhere, can't play, that's for sure. It'll fall on fourth string P.J. Walker, although he does have experience starting for the Panthers in the past. And it's just going to be a Panthers team that was already expected to be, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. And now they should presumably be a little bit worse. And for the Rams, they are just trying to get a win. But on top of that, look good, look look like a Super Bowl type of team in doing so, especially when you're facing a team like the Panthers. And and we don't know exactly which Rams team is going to show up because it was only a few weeks ago that the Rams took out a 28-3 lead on the Falcons and felt like, okay, this is the Rams team that we've come to know. And then that game almost got out of hand and, and became almost a loss. So it's a time and an opportunity for Sean McVay to sort of put to rest criticisms of the Rams early on in the year here. And so that's what the Rams really need to set out to do. And so the Panthers are the team that seems most likely to do it. JB, do you have, what's your biggest fear about running into the Panthers this week? Yeah, it's no coincidence that the Rams best games offensively have come against the Falcons and the Cardinals, just because, you know, they're not really, they don't have a fearsome pass rush and, you know, your worst games come against the Bills, Cowboys and 49ers, and they can get pressure just by rushing four players and everyone else is dropping back into coverage. So not only are you still getting pressure, but there's a lot of defenders in coverage. And the 49ers, they're not the Falcons and the Cardinals. They're not really the Cowboys or 49ers. They're a happy medium. And, you know, they can still get after the quarterback. Brian Burns, of course, has been a big a big target of the Rams. You know, social media conversations this week, maybe a trade target for Los Angeles uh, as they look for help at edge rusher. But, you know, he can get the job done for Carolina this week. And, you know, you do expect the Panthers to get worse after firing their head coach, but sometimes these these things have a way of having an immediate effect and the team really rallies together. And that can really be the recipe for an upset. Hopefully for the Rams, that's really not the case this week, but hey, we're not too far away from finding out. No, it's uh, coming up here. And for the Rams, you know, it's like, I, I called this a can't lose game. You know, if they lose this game it's uh not just falling to two and four potentially you know a couple games out of first place in the nfc west but it's it's a loss to the panthers and it's a loss to pj walker and it's a loss to steve wilkes and it's uh it's it's just such an interesting and, and rare opportunity i think for a super bowl champion you know to be at this point of a season where a game against the panthers which should feel like nothing almost 
feels very important. And maybe by the end, you know, I, I hate to even say maybe by the end of the first half, there's a lot of ease and re- relaxation because the Rams are up 28 to three, but we know how that can go. So, you know, it's really got to get to the end of this game to feel like the Rams have made progress. Uh, you mentioned Carolina's defense. That is definitely their strength and what they will be relying on. You know, I have no problem saying that the Panthers ownership or whoever is tanking this season. I have no really qualms feeling that way. So that's one way to, to add, you know, to, to sort of move forward as an organization. But as we've seen with the Houston Texans, uh, sometimes, you know, the players and the coaches, they're not going to cooperate with any idea of tanking. So the Panthers have some really good defensive players. Uh, one of those who may or may not go out there is cornerback J.C. Horn, who missed practice on Thursday. And for the Rams, it's a matter of getting that offense going and getting anybody other than Cooper Cup going. So who Carolina puts on, you know, the Rams other receivers and how Matthew Stafford and the receivers respond to that will say a lot about this game and this these two teams. JB, you wrote on Thursday morning about Allen Robinson and how he's been used in the production that he's had this year through the first five games, comparing it to the Kenny Galladay situation in New York, where, you know, Kenny Galladay is this season's highest paid wide receiver by cap hit. And yet he's pretty much fifth or sixth on the depth chart. The new regime has no feelings for Kenny Galladay. And and clearly he doesn't have whatever skills he had in Detroit that made him a, you know, sometimes a very good wide receiver. Allen Robinson, similarly, in past stops, has sometimes looked like a number one receiver, but hasn't done anything this year so far. As you point out in your article, week one, two targets, 12 yards. Week two, five targets, 53 yards. Week three, five targets, 23 yards. Week four, six targets, seven yards. And week five, five targets, 12 yards. We talk about feeding you know, Allen Robinson, but hey, that's 21 targets and it hasn't even reached 100 yards in these last four games. It's um, it's it, at some point, you know, you got to have a game where it's five targets and 80 yards or something like that, you know, to at least get some encouragement going. Uh, how would you want to expand on your article about Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay for fans out there curious what you mean by that? Sure. And, you know, Robinson's at 12 catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. And based on the training camp hype for him, you probably expect that to be his performance in a single game this year. Because we, you know, it sounded like in training camp, he was rivaling Cooper Cup for being the top target on the team. And that's been the furthest thing from the truth to the team's first five games. So we'll see how it unfolds. But on the surface level, I think Robinson and Galladay have some things in common, just from an attribute standpoint, where they're bigger targets. They may not be speed threats, but you know, moving down the field, they're going to win those contested catches. But they haven't been, you know, big time separators over the course of their career. Uh, you know, maybe they, you know, they only get two and a half yards on average of separation, but they make up for it by, you know, going aerial, going over the defender, and you know, going to get the ball and attacking the ball. And you know, maybe if you lose a step as you move into later stages of your career, that you know, less degree of separation really. Uh, is twofold for these types of receivers because they're not great route runners. Um, maybe if you're used to catching the ball with two and a half yards of separation, now there's only two yards or one and a half yards of separation, making those contested catches gets even harder. So 
Um, if you, you lose a step, and I think maybe that's what we're seeing with Robinson is he's having an even harder time separating down the field. Whenever Matthew Stafford is looking at his first read at Robinson, you know, he's not getting a lot of time in the pocket anyways, but whenever your first read is closed and you have to go to your second read, um, you know, if Robinson isn't separating, that's only going to, you know, it's going to come like, it's going to twofold these issues right on the offensive line where, you know, Stafford just doesn't have time to make things happen. And so whenever you talk about, you know, should the Rams give Allen Robinson the, the Kenny Galladay treatment, it's, you know, running routes and not getting targeted is not helping the offense at all. Maybe you look at someone like Tutu Atwell or Lance McCutcheon and give them those opportunities instead. Atwell, you know, he only has four or five targets on the season, but he's really made the most of those opportunities when he's been on the field. You know, Stafford's missed him a couple of times, and then he had that big 40, the 50-plus yarder here against the uh, last week, so against the Cowboys. But, you know, I think you got to give Tutu Atwell more opportunities, maybe develop his route tree to shorter or intermediate routes. And, you know, if Robinson isn't getting the ball and he's not making most of his opportunities, why not give someone like Lance McCutcheon uh, in the short term some opportunities? And then when Vance Jefferson and possibly Odell Beckham Jr. work back into the fold, uh, it's reasonably possible that Robinson becomes an afterthought. Yeah, I, I'm just shocked. Uh, first of all, I did want to mention also that thing about Lance McCutcheon, and I wrote a comment about this as well, and I just think – you know, as far as Lance McCutcheon being expected to help at this stage of his career, I don't know that that, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. But the fact is that the Rams kept him. They kept him on the 53-man roster. He's the reason that Van Jefferson is on IR to some degree. Maybe I'm, you know, connecting a couple links up there. But Sean McVay said, uh, well, maybe we could have gotten Van Jefferson back a little earlier, but we had to open up a roster spot because of all these injuries that we're having. So if Lance McCutcheon doesn't do anything to contribute week to week, it means that the Rams are banking on this idea that he is going to be a notable wide receiver in the future. I couldn't see any other reason to keep him on the 53-man roster. And that's how you got Jacob Harris on the roster, you know, uh, all last year and then this year getting cut. And so it's like, that wasn't a, it, it, I, you can understand that, you know, you're developing and, and waiting and, and trying to, you know, put some of these young players in hibernation, especially if you're the Rams, it's something that they're very used to, but it's kind of catching up with them as they get down to their third and fourth string centers and guards that all of a sudden Lance McCutcheon's there and you have a wide receiver problem. So it is kind of stunning that even if Lance McCutcheon was an undrafted free agent, um, he was one that they kept on the roster. And, you know, it was only uh, five years ago, not to compare anyone to Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup went straight from the FCS, just like Lance McCutcheon, to contributing on the Rams. So he's not as good as of a prospect, I guess, or a rookie as, as Cooper Cup. So there's other opportunities. There's something there that's holding him back. And then at the same time, he's good enough for the team to think, well, he's going to take up a, a spot on the roster and we're not going to lose him to another team, which is just kind of surprising to not be able to have an opportunity for him in there. Uh, any thoughts on on the, the roster spot in, in terms of like, yeah, just – keeping a guy on there? Is it a sound strategy? Is it a risk? Well, I think you make a great point. And stashing these guys in the back of the roster really is a luxury that you might not have when these roster spots are at a premium like they are. And, you know, Tutu Atwell's had such limited opportunities. Maybe he's played, I think, 15 snaps this year. And then McCutcheon's only played one or two offensive snaps. So, 
neither one of those guys really contributed on a special teams level. So that's two roster spots out of the active, you know, 45 on game day, 53 total that, you know, you have so many guys on the injury report that you don't really have a game day inactives. Like there's no healthy scratches, right? So you've got to get the most of these roster spots, especially on the offensive line, especially in the secondary, even though maybe David Long Jr. Daria and Jacoby Durant are on their way back. But uh, Atwell's really impressed me so far when he's been on the field and the Rams had to find a way to get him more involved. I understand the offensive line maybe prevents you from taking those long developing shots, but the guy's been so impressive and he just gets open. That's something that we can't say about Allen Robinson. And as far as Allen Robinson and the contract goes, you know, you mentioned the contract uh, and in the article and it's like, Wow. It's like, you know, at the time he signed it, not even really a consideration that I had too much to think about what if this goes wrong, just seemed like it couldn't go wrong. You had the opening and the Rams offense, you had Allen Robinson's history and you just felt like, Hey, at the worst, you know, a couple of years from now, you're thinking Allen Robinson, maybe he had an injury. Maybe it's just like, okay, well, similar to Brandon cooks or Sammy Watkins, there's just reason to move on at some point, but now it seems like unless they get him going, this contract is a nightmare. It's a very low cap hit this year as most contracts work, but that also helped the Rams as they needed to get under the cap. Then next year, $18 million, and there's no getting out of that unless the Rams found a way to make a trade partner with Allen Robinson. But at this current rate, who would pay Allen Robinson's $10 million salary? Uh, and then the in year three, even if you cut Allen Robinson, still $8 million in dead money. And then because they had to spread the cap hits out in order to afford Allen Robinson, no matter what, $5.6 million in dead money in 2025 and $2.8 million in 2026, uh, just paying out that bonus. And it's so interesting to see uh, that we're even having to talk five games into his career with the Rams about how Allen Robinson will become uh, a contract albatross, a nightmare, uh, uh, further issues for this salary cap for a team that already was pushing the salary cap and is going to have a hard time adding key veteran talent like they had in the past because they're paying Allen Robinson so much money as well as you know some other players who aren't really performing up to you know par like Leonard Floyd. Um, thoughts on? you know, Allen Robinson's contract and and just needing to make this work. Well, I remember when the team back in 2017 signed Robert Woods as a free agent. A lot of Rams fans were, were down on that signing and down on that big contract. But, you know, towards the end of that deal, Robert Woods looked like a, a bargain. And a lot of times these wide receiver contracts have a way of working themselves out. And, you know, Christian Kirk this year, he's been a big time player for Jacksonville. So, even though you know you might be paying top dollar for these guys, they just they're so important to the overall flow of the offense that you know receivers are invaluable and they've become over the course of this offseason one of the most valuable positions across the entire roster. So, but for every you know Christian Kirk and Robert Woods, you know you get these Kenny Galladay's and Allen Robinson, and you can even talk about Odell Beckham Jr. when he was on the Browns, and not only was that contract you know an albatross, but they also gave up draft capital to acquire him. So. Uh, I think mo- most of these times, these wide receiver signings work out more times than not. I had no idea, just because Sean McVay, he really va- knows what he values in wide receivers and gets the most out of them. I, I just was not anticipating that Ro- Allen Robinson was going to be this ineffective as a Ram, especially, you know, the Rams are desperate for a second threat outside of Cooper Cup. 
Tyler Higby's been that guy so far through five games, but uh, this, yeah, like you said, I didn't see this coming and it's so shocking. Yeah. And it's really how much of the uh, passing issues so far do you think are still related to Matthew Stafford? Do you doubt uh, Matthew Stafford's ability to, you know, spread this ball around and to hit anybody else other than Cooper Cup and uh, Tyler Higby, which obviously those targets just aren't really adding a lot of value to the Rams right now. Uh, how much of it do you think in these last couple of games do you think comes down to just Matthew Stafford not playing at high as high of a level as he did for most of last season? Yeah, and I really try to give Stafford the benefit of the doubt. I know I get the reputation of being too critical of him at times, but you know, the 49ers game, you, if you scored a touchdown, that really could have made the difference. And, you know, Stafford missed a lot of throws in the red zone, whenever that the passing lanes get a lot more tight and constricted. Uh, you left points on the board. And you're not even able to score a touchdown. You know, what the Rams often scored 10 points against the Cowboys last week, but you gave away nine points between the pick six and the blocked punt. So these are mistakes you're not able to overcome. You know, you have the pick six, pick six in the 49ers. You can't boil down quarterback performance to a single stat. And I think that's a lazy way to look at some of these PFF grades. But if you look at how they've measured the quarterbacks and I applied, you know, 20% filter, meaning that the most dropbacks that's been recorded by an individual this year is 241. So 20% of the 241 minimum threshold. Matthew Stafford's ranked the 31, the 31st quarterback in the entire NFL this year. And that's in front of only Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, and Justin Fields. So if you look at Stafford and Matt Ryan's, you know, passing statistics this year on a traditional level, they're identical. And, you know, Matt Ryan was drafted, you know, just the year before Stafford. He looks completely done at this stage of his career. You just wonder, like, maybe, you know, Matthew Stafford's more of a Matt Ryan than a Tom Brady who can play well into his 40s. So um, it's concerning that the Rams just signed him to a four- to five-year extension, and he's going to be the quarterback for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm not sure, based on his performance so far this season, that you can be confident and comfortable with that, uh, with him being around for that long. How would you feel about uh, the Rams drafting a quarterback with their first pick next year? And how do you think the Rams fan base would take that? Well, it's never happened under Sean McVay, right? He's never had the opportunity to scout his own guy, bring him in, even as a late round draft pick. So, uh, you know, you would, you would expect that if Sean McVay drafted someone, it's someone he likes. And um, the fan base probably wouldn't handle it well. You know, any criticism of Stafford's met with, you know, the guy just won you a Super Bowl. But we're talking about 2022 and the outcomes that are coming uh, this season, it hasn't been good. And, um, you know, I don't know how you manage paying Stafford such a, you know, for four to five years at such a high level. And, you know, maybe he's not even your starter, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see just because, you know, he's left a lot of throws on the table. He's left points on the board. He's just as much to blame as this offensive line this year. And, you know, it's just making sure that you have a quality, not just a quality backup, you know, because, that's always hard to do anyway, although, you know, I think we're seeing uh, Jacoby Brissett and Cooper Rush, you know, do adequate jobs, whereas maybe Joe Flacco didn't do such a great job in place of Zach Wilson. So if it came down to the Rams needing somebody other than Matthew Stafford to start a game, does John Walford or Bryce Perkins fall more into the steady option category, you know, or, or more of the 
uh, disaster territory. And that's not really anything we have a good answer to, nor is it easy to ever, I mean, who would have said that about Cooper Rush? So, you know, uh, it's, it's certainly thinking in that terms. And it's also thinking in that terms of, hey, the Rams are going to exist well beyond 2023. And who's going to be there just in case we have seen in the past how, you know, having Kurt Warner around just in case turned out to be worth a lot. Having Mark Bulger around just in case turned out to do pretty good, you know. So I think that that has to be a part of the equation. I know that next year's draft class of quarterbacks, I think it's going to be really deep uh, in the sense that I think not only will there be a, a good number of quarterbacks drafted on day one, which the Rams don't uh, have their first round pick next year. Uh, I think a lot of quarterbacks will be drafted on days two and three, and that there will be maybe one or two guys that comes out of that day two and day three range that ends up being a quality starter in the NFL. Cause I think there's a number of guys uh, sort of just overshadowed by the Bryce young CJ Stroud uh, and a couple other guys who I don't even like naming because I don't think they're very good. But, you know, there's there's uh, just going to be a very heavy crowd uh, on day one. And then I think the Rams, you know, if you're Sean McVay and Les Snead, why wouldn't you want to say that you developed a quarterback as well and doing on top of all those other things? Um, just is if there was a if there was a quality in a quarterback, you know, that you would like to see maybe in this Rams offense? Is there any sort of like a trait or characteristic or quality, dual threat, deep passing, uh, any sort of uh, uh, type of quarterback you'd be interested to see? Yeah, I think, you know, Sean McVay was really enamored by John Wolford's mobility back in 2020 when Jared Goff missed time. And, you know, that's something I think we're, with those offensive line struggles, we're seeing the Rams sorely lack. And, you know, having someone who could evade the rush, and, you know, extend plays in a big-time way would do the Rams a lot of favors. And, you know, Stafford, we see him scrambling on the edge, and, you know, he's running around, and he, he gets back to the line of scrimmage when most when there's other quarterbacks in the league that would get five, six, eight yards and put you ahead of the chains. Uh, you know, it's a big disadvantage. And I think in some ways the Rams benefited outside of structure by trading Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. But um, in some ways Stafford looks a lot like Goff when he gets out of the pocket and can't make those runs. So, Someone with mobility would be nice, but I don't think you're going to see a very surgical quarterback with Sean McVay. He just loves the chunk plays too much. It's always going to be someone with a big arm who can push the ball down the field. Um, but if I had my preference, I'd get like a Drew Brees type quarterback. I'm perfectly fine with the eight yards at a time and, you know, surgically moving down the field. But I don't think that's who Sean McVay is. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, like you said, uh I mean, John Wolford and Bryce Perkins are uh, both definitely uh, more of that mobility type of thought. And uh, yeah, I think even if it's on day three, some someone could be out there for the Rams and it might be the right time to strike. Uh, speaking of quarterback needs, obviously the Carolina Panthers are going to be a team in that conversation for Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and uh, right there at the top of the draft. One in four, like I said, I think that they would love to lose the rest of their games or lose enough games to pick first next year, or at least pretty high and to try and find their next cam Newton. Uh, you couldn't ask to do worse than Baker Mayfield for the most part, 55% completions, four touchdowns, four interceptions in his five starts, 71.9 passer rating was sacked 15 times, lost 99 yards, pretty much everything that any Baker Mayfield critic 
in parentheses, including me, in parentheses, uh, is uh, what happened for Baker Mayfield in Carolina. And it's a lot of pressure, I guess, for him to come into a situation as bad as that one and be asked to do well. But in any case, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Maybe P.J. Walker is going to be an upgrade. Um, and so, I don't know, could you could you think – of a, another team in the NFL right now that seems to have less to offer offensively than the Carolina Panthers do? Well, you've lost games to Jimmy Garoppolo and Cooper Rush, and Marcus Mariota almost led a comeback against you. So um, I'm not ready to write any quarterback off, especially when this offense doesn't put up points. So if you know there's a pick six or there's an offensive turnover that turns into a score, that might be too much for this offense to overcome. And that's definitely could be a recipe for success for the Panthers in this game. Yeah, very true. Uh, also, just very uh, surprising. Christian McCaffrey has 72 carries and uh, every other running back on the roster has 11 carries. So they've really, you know, made him again, the centerpiece of that offense. He's not been able to take over the games like maybe he did a few years ago um, and that's their one piece there and then wide receivers Robbie Anderson DJ Moore very low completion percentages to those guys but again it's hard to say whether that is Baker Mayfield it seems like with PJ Walker maybe they'll be able to complete more passes um, so there's that side of it but defensively teams have really favored running against Carolina and gotten out to a lead or been able to, yeah, just basically run that game, 217 rushing yards allowed to the Browns in week one and 153 rushing yards allowed last week to the 49ers. Um, and that's kind of been the bread and butter of teams against Carolina so far is to be able to run that game, uh, run that football for the Rams, you know, more criticisms as well in terms of, you know, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, the offensive line and put, and even Sean McVay, making sure that he's calling running plays and giving those players opportunities to make plays. Do you think this is the week that the run game gets right? It could. And I think if anything, it should just be a big priority for the Rams because any impact you get from the running game just takes weight off Matthew Stafford's shoulders. So maybe he doesn't feel compelled to, be overly aggressive or put the ball in harm's way. So if you can get the ground game rolling, it just makes his job that much easier. So uh, it also doesn't allow the pass rushers to tee off on Matthew Stafford. So I think it's super important in that regard. And we've seen teams just sit in that too high coverage against this passing attack and, you know, maybe an effective running game makes them drop more defenders into the box. And at that point it should open up things for the passing game too. So it's all interrelated and you're the, the big time struggles by Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson uh, it's really had a detrimental impact on this offense. Yeah, it's uh, it's really been just sort of hard to watch the Rams be, you know, a bottom three, bottom five passing offense, especially making it difficult to remember the the way that they played in the playoffs and towards the end of the year and, and winning all those games and you know Cooper Cup not just doing what he's doing now, but then also having a whole other offense besides Cooper cup. And so uh, this defense of the Carolina Panthers, particularly if JC Horn is out, could provide some opportunities there, but the offensive line JB is going to have to be, you know, a bigger factor than they've been in the past. 
And it doesn't seem like the healthcare health is getting any better there. David Edwards on IR, looking at, you know, maybe a month of Bobby Evans at guard, Jeremiah Cologne, and uh, it's it's down to AJ Jackson. And, and it's just such a strange situation for the offensive line. So I'm sure I would get a lot of pushback uh, on this idea of drafting a quarterback just because, you know, maybe that's how Tutu Atwell was picked over an offensive lineman of note. We don't need to name him, but how do you feel about, you know, this offensive line and can the Rams overcome it? Can the Rams overcome the injuries to the offensive line and maybe depleted value at the tackle spots? Yeah, Jeremiah Colone, he's not a very serviceable center. I think you're going to see Matt Skira this week, who was just signed to the regular 53-man roster over the practice squad where he's been. And, you know, I think you'll see Ode Ibushi left guard. Bobby Evans has been a disaster. He's the lowest-graded Ram in terms of PFF grade uh, by far on offense. You know, and Jeremiah Colone is not too far behind him. So I think it's definitely time to mix things up just for the sake of making change. And, you know, they can't be any worse than those two. And, you know, A.J. Jackson's been solid. Rob Havenstein's probably been your most consistent lineman this year, even though, you know, he struggled at times against the Cowboys. And, you know, whenever you're not going against these elite rushing teams, Joseph Nobum's been okay. He's been okay against the Falcons and the Cardinals. So uh, I do have confidence in this offensive line. I think the run blocking has been solid. And, you know, these running backs have just left a lot of meat on the bone. Uh, And the Rams have to get, you know, it takes a team effort. There's so many things wrong with this offense. It's going to take a team effort and improving across the board to get them moving in the right direction. And just makes you wonder, can you turn it around over the course of a season? Because you're starting at the bottom and, you know, you were at the top last year. Can you make it all the way back? Uh, it's a it's a big, steep hill to climb for sure. Let me ask you, JB, what, you know, let me ask you, what are you looking forward to? You know, we've got uh the Rams in the search situation that they're in now and maybe it's just a matter of looking forward to having more games or or looking forward to the bye week or looking forward to a certain game in particular or looking forward to you know next offseason when more changes can be made um but we've got past the Panthers this week week seven is the bye week um week eight is the rematch against the 49ers uh, week nine, another game against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. It seems to be a lot of those. And the Rams have done really well in those games in the recent past. Uh, week 12, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and that'll be obviously bring back memories of the other game from a few years ago. Although it doesn't feel like the Rams can compete in a shootout right now. Um, you've got the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football in week 15. You've got the Chargers game in L.A. in week 17. Uh, and then obviously the season ends in week 18 with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Like if you could put something else on your plate, like I can't wait to see this, the trade deadline, anything at all. What would you say you're looking forward to? Yeah, you haven't lost a ton of important players due to injury, you know. Allen Robinson is you signed him as your big free agent. He was he's on the field. You know, Matthew Stafford's been healthy, even though he's taken a lot of hits. Cooper Cup, he's dinged up this week, but he hasn't missed any significant playing time on defense. You still have Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald. So this is the team that you assembled. Sure, you lost some players in the offensive line, but other teams around the league have shown that those guys are replaceable. You know, the 49ers in your own division, they just plug guys in and they're okay. So um I don't think you can really make excuses. The Rams stars are on the field. 
But maybe after the bye week, you get Brian Allen back, Van Jefferson soon thereafter. Uh, you know, David Long Jr. is an important player. Everyone thought he was ready, you know, from a Rams locker room perspective, ready for a big breakout year. So Jacoby Durant looked promising as a rookie. So I think, you know, I'm looking forward to this team getting healthy and seeing that, you know, have the, have injuries really derailed your season or did you come in with high expectations with the roster that you assembled and it's just not cut out to be what you thought it would be. And we're going to get our answer to that. And if, you know, the answer is, you know, not so positive, you know, I'm looking forward to the off season because uh, this team just lacks firepower, it seems, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to say it's injuries and they're going to give them the bye week next week. And they're going to come in healthy for the second half of the season. But while wow, their schedule's a, a gauntlet, it's going to be tough. Yeah, you know, I mean, if home and away doesn't matter that much, then at least travel mileage should come into play. Going to Tampa Bay, going to New Orleans, going to Kansas City, going to Green Bay. Uh, at least the last two games at L.A. and at Seattle shouldn't provide too many uh, travel concerns. But, yeah, lots of traveling and then games against the AFC West. And it's really uh, going to challenge and test this team to such a degree um and then that 49ers game coming up after the bye week I mean if the Rams want to change the tenor and the tone of how people see the Rams beat the Panthers by 20 points get healthy during the bye week or whatever come back and at home and beat the 49ers uh, cause the narrative that week will certainly be about how there are more 49ers fans in the game station in the stadium than there are Rams fans. Right. So, uh, just like in the NFC championship, win that game and people will be talking about the Rams in a different light than they are today. However, if it's a close game against the Carolina Panthers and then it's not a close game and it's a loss to the 49ers, uh, the Rams could be three and four traveling to Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady coming home to face the Cardinals going on the road again to face the Saints and the Chiefs, you know, there could be talk of what do the Rams do if they are, you know, four and six at a certain point. So, you know, lots is going to, a lot is going to happen here in this next, you know, four or five weeks to determine how people talk about the Rams. It's still too early to say that there's anything Definitively wrong with the Rams, you know, uh, sample size of uh, these games, maybe not quite there, but it's also not the great, not a great start, you know, and these 10 points, nine points, 10 points. I mean, those are, those would be the three lowest scoring games of the year last year, and they've already happened this year. So really interesting to see it from that perspective. And like I said, Carolina offering an opportunity here with so much change. Do you feel that this is, at all, you know, I don't like to use the word trap game, especially because it doesn't quite fall into this uh, scenario in terms of trap games. But do you fear the Carolina Panthers? You know, you mentioned it, that maybe the uh, the Rams offense can't keep up with one or two huge mistakes. So do you fear this game? Yeah, I mean, it's. I fear that it's a game that's going to tell us exactly who this Rams team is. And if they come out and win by 20 points, it gives you optimism that they can turn this around and overcome these injuries. If they come out and they're flat and they fall behind early or they make the catastrophic mistakes and end up dropping this game, uh, you know, maybe it's time to put a fork in them and we're going to find out who they are. But if you win this game and you're 500, you go into your bye, you get, you rest it up, you play the 49ers. That's where the season really begins because no one's going to run away with this division in terms of, you know, really building a huge lead in terms of wins and losses. 
you know, that if you beat the 49ers, you're right in the heat of it. And the Seahawks are a formidable team. You haven't played them quite yet this year. But it all starts – if you win this game, it all starts in week seven against the 49ers. That's right. I mean, it's so much going on. And uh, the NFC West, I mean, is kind of – it wasn't the powerhouse that uh, people expected. And, you know, the Cardinals – I mean, I was looking – these Cardinals and the Seahawks, they could be two of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, at least for the Seahawks, you know, their their defense being so atrocious. And I think for the Cardinals, you know, their two wins are against Carolina and Las Vegas. Those teams are one and four, and they weren't close. Uh, and they were they were kind of close, and then they, they weren't uh, close in some of their losses. And I just don't see much going on with the Cardinals at this point. The Seahawks, like I said, their defense, and I don't know how much longer the Geno Smith offense is sustainable. And then you've got the 49ers. I mean, if the 49ers continue to just ride that defense and a running game system, whatever, you know, it might not be that long until they've they've pulled out in front in the NFC West with a good lead over the Rams and the rest of the division. Thoughts on the rest of the NFC West that you have as uh, as we hit week six? I don't think the 49ers will ever be a team that truly pulls away with someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they play the Rams better than they play any other team. And I think, you know, they're not going to do much better than just barely over 500. So they're going to wild card type contender. The Seahawks team really scares me. I know that defense is, you know, historically bad. They give up a ton of points, but Geno Smith's been outstanding. I think he's been so impressive across the board and I was not expecting. I don't think anyone was coming into this season, but you know, with that firepower with DK, uh, Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant on offense too. Uh, you know, they have some big time receivers and they can really get it done. You know, they just lost, you know, they're starting running back uh, in Rashad Penny, but um, I, I think they're the team, they're the favorite right now and it's up to the Rams to dethrone them. Yeah, well, I know that uh, I'm a big believer in uh, Kenneth Walker as a draft prospect. He had some very exciting plays at uh, Michigan State and very fast guy. So the loss of Rashad Penny uh, may or may not hurt as much, you know, with, uh, with the Seahawks using a draft pick on a running back. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see whether or not the Seattle Seahawks improve their defense and we'll see if the Cardinals improve their offense and their defense. And, you know, I don't even know if Cliff Kingsbury will still be the head coach when the Rams face the Cardinals in week 10. Uh, I, I really, if the, if the Cardinals lose a few more games, just time to restart something. And they're not going to restart Kyler Murray, obviously, even though Cliff Kingsbury seems to only be there because of Kyler Murray. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see what's happening there. And like you said, maybe difficult for the 49ers to pull away with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Um, but the Rams just need to get a win, and the Carolina Panthers are the next team that uh, is in the way of, of that happening. So, you know, it's time for the Rams to really make a make a stance, make a point, you know, make it clear that uh, the offense is going to be fine. And, and maybe, like you said, JB, they have some upgrades there at center and guard. And uh, just by way of, you know, signing these guys and, and just trying somebody else uh, other than some of these uh, very 
disastrous options that have been in place there. Although, you know, teams aren't typically prepared to go to their second and third string options anyway. So just bad timing with all those things happening at once and and needing uh, to go that way with David Edwards and Coleman Shelton and Brian Allen. And uh, then, you know, who knows how much different this team would look like if all those three guys had played every snap this season, but that's not been the case. Final thoughts here, JB, before we go out. Rams, Panthers, week six. Yeah, I'm going to be nervous. We're going to find out exactly who this team is. So I think it's a high bar. You expect this team to beat the Panthers by, you know, two scores, 20-some points. And, you know, this is a team that they just fired their head coach. If you get up on them, they might quit, you know, mentally. And yeah. if not, if you give them life and you give them, you make mistakes and they, you leave them in this game, they can hang around and they can beat you. So, and at that point, I think, you know, you wonder what this Rams team is this season 2022 and what them up against the salary cap, the future looks kind of bleak. So uh, mm. I'm just got a pit in my stomach for this week, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, everybody should feel a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious because every team is in it. When you go into Sunday, the Rams lost to the winless jets only a couple of years ago. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And like you said, New interim coach who everybody on the team seems to love and is a big Panthers fan, you know, fan favorite in Steve Wilkes. So if at any point Carolina is looking at that scoreboard in the second half and has a lead or is tied, you know, they're going to feel that and they're going to, you know, start putting together every ounce that they have to help Steve Wilkes get off to a one and zero start. And uh, the Rams came in with a bullseye already. So very uh, key moment here for the Rams and to prove themselves again and to sort of go into the bye week feeling good instead of feeling bad. So stay tuned for that. Come back and subscribe to this podcast, Turf Show Times. And you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on your podcast app, on your iPhone, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, you can find Turf Show Times for Los Angeles Rams fans. And we are turfshowtimes.com and at Turf Show Times on Twitter. So hit subscribe. Coming up this Saturday will be JB with the Last Minute Thoughts podcast. And then after the game on Sunday, the instant reaction podcast. So hit subscribe and we'll be back then for the next Rams chat.